Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor's I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the uh, cardinal my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town with goals down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. Hello and welcome to the All 22 Podcast. My name is Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by Bobby Acker and Ray Cotto and we are the founders of All 22. Guys, it's been a little bit since we talked. Uh, Here we are, Eagles and Chiefs Super Bowl. Um, What are you guys most excited for, Bobby? Literally the worst matchup I could have thought of, like from a fan perspective. But still, like from like an All 22 perspective, these rosters are both loaded. I'm like, I think it's going to be a great game no matter what. So as a pure football fan, I'm hyped. What about you, Ray? What, 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 is, what is the issue with, like, the Chiefs is from, from a fan perspective? I'm just What's tired of it, dude. I'm just tired of it. Like, you know what I mean? I just want to see somebody else. I want to see – I love Joe Burrow. I hate Eli Apple. But, like, you love Joe Burrow enough where you just kind of want to see it for him? Yeah, but that's – so that's exactly why I'm glad the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl because it was, like, every time I want to root for the Bengals because, like – DJ Reader is awesome, and like everyone else is really cool. It's like Eli Apple just opens his mouth on Twitter, says something, and then like his mom sends something on Twitter too. And it's like I can't, I can't root for these guys. I like, think she deleted her account, right? I, I think she's I, like I mean, she's like off now after they lost. But like you got you got to think like the the Bengals PR person like goes to their GM and is like, "Yo, we got to get rid of this guy." Like super likable team, except for this dude. Yeah, I mean the scouts should have also said that, but that's another story. So, but it was it, it was Mike Hilton, right, who did the uh, Burrowhead comment. So, yeah, but I don't, I didn't really think he meant that like in like a trash talk kind of way. Like if, if you if you go back and listen to it, it was just like a, oh, I like a thought that popped into his mind, and then it got blown out of proportion because it's like oh, he's trash talking now. Yeah, it's like doesn't Burrowhead sound cool? Like that's cool, right, guys? Yeah, and then, and then people took it and ran with it, whereas like. Like Apple just says stuff, and it's like just, just be quiet, dude. The tweet with the Cancun on three was just that was like, that was yeah. it for me. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, you know how good at football you have to be to try to get away with something like that, and he is so far from that that it's just yeah. Like, like I, if, I know, like we have a lot of like Cincinnati listeners, and like I, I am with you guys like 98 percent of the way there. But it's you just got to get rid of Eli Apple. If he was an Eagles player, I'd expect that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like a Cincy player, not really. There's, but I agree. The game is going to be fun overall because it's the yeah. two best rosters in the league. One of them actually had a tough road to get to the Super Bowl. The other played like a preseason schedule to get to the Super Bowl. So we'll see how that you know helps or hurts them, I guess. I've two actually been, matchups. Yeah. I actually told you guys this, but like what I've been doing every week is I bet for the te- I bet on the teams that I don't want to win. So that way if they win, like I, I come away with a little bit of money. So I'm, probably, I'm betting the Eagles big this weekend, dude, or next weekend. I'm going well, in. Well, the Chiefs have never had to wear white, right? So that's they're going to lose because of that. Yeah, totally, totally. So I'm, the, not, I'm not I'm not going to be sad when Philly wins. I'll be sad, but with a little bit of money in my pocket. Solid strategy. There's two matchups yeah. I'm super excited for. So Jason Kelsey versus Chris Jones. We should be able to see a little bit of that. And then the exact same matchup the other way. Creed Humphrey maybe versus like Jordan Davis. Could be fun. Two monsters just just toughing it out. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be great. So uh, we said it last episode, right? The first season of All-22 has come to an end, and there is a ton to unpack. Uh, We began reviewing the top performers of the 2022 season and debating the updated player rankings in advance of the release of our mock draft tool, which we're super excited about. Uh, Last time we did offense. So why don't we go ahead and jump into defense this time, guys, starting with edge, right? 6.03% weight. The edge positions, right? Injuries were the defining story for the edge position. Four of our preseason top 10 guys missed major chunks of the season, right? TJ Watt, Joey Bosa, Chase Young, and Rashawn Gary missed a combined 42 games. Five of the remaining six guys either met or exceeded our expectations. So starting with Max Crosby, our preseason number two edge, he finished first with 77.1 all 22 points. 
And our preseason number one guy was Miles Garrett, finished number two with 76.1. Another guy, just to point out, Nick Bosa had a huge year, 90.9 PFF grade. He missed one game due to injury and then two others because he actually didn't meet the snap count minimum, something that we might decide to look into next year, might, might be able to give commissioners a little bit of flexibility there as well. Um, few young guys had breakout seasons that we should probably mention, right? Jalen Phillips finished, uh, finished this year, uh, third in all 22 points. Uh, he was that guy, right? All the tools, but just had injury concerns. So he fell in the draft, but he's still just 23 years old. And then fan favorite, uh, hard knocks favorite, Aiden Hutchinson, who's thought to be the best prospect of the last draft, had a really strong rookie season. He finished actually fifth of all of our edge rushers. So a lot of good guys to talk about there. Um, last one real quick is Josh Allen had the best year yet of his young career, 82.9 PFF grade, finished six in all 22 points. So Bobby, I want you to kick it off. How are you starting to put together your top five? Yeah, I think number one is, is pretty easy. Um, now listed on PFF as an edge rusher, no longer a linebacker. It's Micah Parsons. Um, to me, he's easily the best defensive player in the league and it's, and it's not even close. It's Micah Parsons. And then there's everybody else just because of what he can do. Ridiculous numbers in his first two seasons, 89 and 90 grades in his first two seasons, 29 sacks in two seasons. That's unreal. 116 hurries. Like this dude is just a freak and he's not even lined up as an edge all the time. So, you know, think about those numbers and it's just absurd. Six forced fumbles. Oh, and by the way, a 77.9 coverage grade. Michael Parsons is just unreal. I'll never forgive. I'll never forgive Dave Gettleman for trading back and getting Darius Tony instead of Micah Parsons. It's just absolutely absurd. Um, and like, look, yeah, we just talked about it, right? PFF has him listed as an edge. Um, he's been listed as a linebacker before. You know, I don't want to give anything away here, but there may be in the future some position flexibility in all 22 where you might be able to have him as either a linebacker or an edge, whatever you want. So keeping that in mind, it just adds to his value. seems like Dan Quinn is going to stay there until the Cowboys win a Super Bowl, which who knows when that's going to be. Um, so I think all those things just, <laughs> I think all those things just um, kind of are in Micah Parsons favor and he's still just 23. So Honestly, at the end of the day, he's one of the scariest players, if not the scariest player in the league. He's a gold jacket talent at just 23 years old. If you can get your hands on him, get him. There's really no debate here at number one. Um, Wait, you only told half the story of that trade, though. Kadarius Tony was one pick, but you guys got another first from that. Who did that end up being? I don't remember. Um, we got Evan Neal the next year. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see. The two don't combine to Michael Parsons, but no. Evan Neal could God have a Michael good. Parsons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? So, like, yes, we got Evan Neal in the next draft, but we also got Kayvon Thibodeau. And I understand that wasn't part of the trade, but I don't think you can get Kayvon Thibodeau without knowing that at seven you're going to get Evan Neal. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I do Splash kind of play or something, right? Yeah. Right. Like, I, I think if we only had pick number five and not number seven, maybe that's Equanu and we don't get the edge rusher. So right. that's kind of where I'm at with that. But still, Michael Parsons would have been pretty sick. Lawrence Taylor 2.0. Is that to say that he's better or just another version of him? Like, he would, he would have been, if he was in New York, he would have been the next Lawrence Taylor. I understand. Just, but you say 2.0. And usually when you say 2.0, that means it's better than... I'm not the... getting into that tonight. Okay. I'm glad because yeah. I'd probably log off if you were to say that. <laughs> just like I'd end the just keep going with the rest of your list. We, you know, oh, you don't want to debate on the podcast? You don't want to debate on the podcast? pay-per-view. Okay. You're scared. You're scared. And you're wrong. Um, number two, Nick Bosa. So obviously part of an outstanding defensive unit in San Fran, right? I don't see that unit going where I understand D'Amico Ryan's got a, a job somewhere else. Um, but I expect the next defensive coordinator to have similar success. Um, just as we give Shanahan for being like this offensive genius, I think John Lynch deserves a lot of credit for how he's building these defenses for D'Amico Ryans and Robert Sala. So I have confidence that the next guy is going to be just fine because this unit is just absurd. Uh, and Nick boasts at 25 to be part of it. I think that's great for him. Um, and in his four seasons, he's never graded below an 84. Um, 
three of his four seasons with an 89 plus grade. He's just the model of consistency. 40 sacks in the last two seasons. Give me a break. Um, and 98 hurries. And just one game this past year where he's graded below a 60. So he's the ultimate plug and play edge rusher. Um, you can keep him for the next, I don't know, what do you guys think? Seven, eight years. And he's going to be, he's going to give you that very good to elite play. That's a, that's a no brainer. Well, I'm curious now because I'm so, I, I, I don't think there's many lists that get to two and don't have Miles Garrett listed. So is that your number three? Miles, uh, Miles Garrett is my number three. Okay. And it's really just because he's 27. I mean, otherwise that would have been tough. If they were the same age, that'd be really tough. But Miles mm-hmm. Garrett, 92 grades in the last two in each of his last two seasons, 90 plus pass rush gla- grades in the in his last four seasons, and 18 sacks in the last two years, um, and 92 pressures. Like the, he's he's unreal. There's really not much more that you have to say about Miles Garrett. The only thing is, yeah, he's he's 27 at this point, which I don't think that's old. But where we just said that Nick Bosa has probably eight years of elite play left or very good play left, Miles Garrett, you could say, probably has about about five if we're using that same 32-year-old um, marker right there. Going to number four, it's Max Crosby. And yes, I understand he's 25, but the thing that's always going to scare me with Max Crosby, as good as his last two seasons have been, is that there are those down seasons with like the sub-65 grades. Um, and I think... I think those are long gone. I think he fits well with Patrick Graham. He seems to do well there with him. Um, but, you know, that's that's enough for me to put him behind Miles Garrett. If you're looking in that three- to five-year window and you're building your, your startup team, I think I think you got to give Miles Garrett the edge. But Max Crosby's right there behind him. He has ridiculous 2021-2022 seasons, 90 and 91 grades, 26 sacks, and 111 pressures. He's uh, He's unreal. Number five is going to be a little controversial, okay, guys? So just be ready for this. Jalen Phillips, baby. Let's get it. So maybe a crazy pick here, but whatever. Let's do it. So Phillips showed everyone why he was the number 18 pick in the 2021 draft this year. He's part of a young, hungry, monstrous defensive line in Miami with Bradley Trubb, Zach Seiler, and Christian Wilkins. I think Zach Seiler is super underrated. Um, so to be part of that unit, I think bodes well for Jalen Phillips. He's even younger. He's 23, 88.1 or 88.8 defensive grade in 2022, 90.1 pass rush grade in 2022, 20 sacks in his last two seasons and 48 hurries. Um, I love him moving forward. You might laugh at his name on this list. You might comment that it's a bullshit name. Um, but you can, you can bet that he's going to earn himself some respect in 2023. He's going to earn his spot there. Um, now, you might notice Chase Young's not on this list, which is total fair point. But if you look at his last three seasons, he, he's played less and less over the past three years. And I just don't think you can trust that with a top five edge pick. Edge being so important. And to think that, like, how many of these guys didn't even get paid yet? Parsons didn't get paid. Jalen Phillips hasn't gotten paid. I just Chase Young himself hasn't gotten paid. So to think that this, that this position is only going to get more important and you're going to gamble on a guy that's not playing, I just don't see it. Put him in at number six, no problem, but I'm not putting him at number five. Taking a sip of water because I need a second. I need a second to digest. While you do that, just note that at no point in the last three seasons has Chase Young eclipsed a 90, a 90 pass rush grade. Okay, well, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw a little curveball at you because I know we got some Steeler fans out there, right? And Steeler fans are gonna go to the grave shouting that T.J. Watt is the best edge in the NFL, and he was not in your top five. The best ability is availability, and he's another player who wasn't always available. And like, also have to mention he's twenty twenty eight years old, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I think he's I think he's elite, but like this is also a, a deep position of elite players. Now, there's certain positions we'll talk about where there's only two guys you can put in that category, but I think you can put a bunch here. I just I just don't have him as as top five. Okay, and and you know I'm just I'm just trying to speak for the Steelers fans, even though I'm not one. But 
uh, 91.3 grade in 2019, 91.6 in 2020, 89.5 2022, and then 81.7 2022. So you have literally four elite years in a row. I know there's some injuries in there, uh, but it's really hard for me to leave them off that list. I, I kind of understood the Chase Young pick. Uh, Jalen Jalen Phillips definitely deserving of some some mention, uh, but I think T.J. Watt would would probably be my five. I didn't disagree with most anything else on your list, but I think T.J. Watt would take the five spot for me. Would you take T.J. Watt over Rashawn Gary? You had to do that, Ray. <laughs> you had to I'm do that. Asking. Like Sean you knew Gary's I was 20, mad at you. Twenty five years old, and when he played this year, he was he played very well. He was still he was a top twelve pass rusher in the league. 25 mm-hmm. it doesn't have the you know the as much of an injury concern as some of these other guys do listen the reason i'm wearing he fall? the reason i didn't know you were going to wear this shirt today but the reason i'm wearing this shirt is out of shame right because my packers didn't do enough this year to for me to be mentioning them all that much right because we're going to be in this draft with a top 20 pick for the first time in a long time and i'm and i'm not proud of that right so, yes, I could go on here and say Rashawn Gary deserves a top five spot. But the fact of the matter is I still don't think he did enough this year. He has he he has had one elite year, um, but this year was a step down and he had a major injury. Uh, and, and, you know, for him, he never really had the production. That was always the concern. Yes, he's had two good years in a row now, but now you have an injury, right? And it's, and it's going to be – we're going to get rid of some guys. This is going to be a younger team. It's not going to be – as easy for him, I don't think, going forward. Um, if he does it again next year, right? Kind of like the Patrick Mahomes conversation we had, right? It's like if he if he does it next year when things aren't as great around him, he'll probably make my top five next year, but he needs he needs to do a little more to prove it to me. Okay. I mean, that's interesting because the reason I ask, and I'm not sure where I'd have him either, but I look at that as more of a long game in the sense that I'm not even banking on him bouncing back per se in 2023 i'm looking at him and going okay based off of that knee injury you basically take the year as a wash not that he's going to be terrible you you know he's probably still startable and all that but his ceiling you're looking towards his ceiling in 2024 and beyond when he's still you know 26 years old in those you know 26 7 and 8 uh you know years of play where he's really entering his prime if you want to play the long game, I think it's I think it's a fair play. I just I, I didn't want to go this whole segment without mentioning him, just because you know you're a little down in the dumps on your on your boys over there. I, I appreciate that, Ray. I really do. I appreciate you doing that. You know, we were at odds last week, so you know I appreciate you coming to my defense here. But um, I think I think we all have a little bit of a different vision on dynasty, right? So like I've talked about it before. I don't want to keep talking about it too much, but for me, it's really about a three-year window. I don't try I don't try to do much more than that. So if we're going to say a guy's going to last at least 32 and TJ Watt's 28, I'm going to get in that three-year window, and I feel confident. Um, I, You know, like saying a guy's 25, if he's not as good as the 28-year-old, I'm probably going to go with the 28-year-old. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of like the 10 to 12-year window guy, if you haven't noticed. I'm <laughs> I have. looking at some of these high school five-stars and just taking notes, so but fair enough anybody you should uh you should mention like for example yeah, not, what about that's Will for Anderson? me to know and you guys to find out for right now we still got some okay. rookie drafts coming up in, in a few months so okay all right do let's talk about that real quick though do you think uh we said it last time is there an edge rusher that makes this list do you think will anderson is a guy that can make top five uh next year I don't. I think he's really good. I think he's better than, as a prospect, than the edges last year. But I don't. I don't see the elite right away. You know, no-brainer type, Miles Garrett talent in him. I think he has a ceiling that could get him around the top five in the league. But I don't see can't miss no-brainer generational guy that that, you know, some others might sort of prognosticate because everybody does that, you know, for, from now until late April. I think he's very good. Definitely would be my number one in the last two classes, but I don't see top five in the next year or two. Okay. Can't wait to be wrong. Ray, you want to talk about uh, defensive interiors and kick off that conversation? Yeah, um, definitely. So uh, this was 
basically like a year of just breakout players, right? Um, Aaron Donald's been the top of this list for years, a decade, right? Nine years of, you know, over 90 grades, just an actual generational player. Um, and this year he finished third, which is still obviously very respectable, but missed multiple weeks uh, throughout the season. Um, and Chris Jones is the one who really uh, stepped up there and, and took the, the top honors there on the defensive interior uh, with 65.8 all 22 points, which is 2.9 points higher than the next guy, which is not a small margin uh, when you're talking just from one to two, especially. Um, but, you know, there's still a lot of young guys um, sort of really stepping up here. And I don't see, you know, basically a single defensive interior guy um, being at the top of the list for the next decade like Aaron Donald was, right? You had Dexter Lawrence, 25 years old, had a monster year with a 92 grade. He was second in all 22 points. Um, Cam Hayward uh, continued to build on his resume. He was third in all 22 points, you know, despite his age and everything else. Um, you know, he played very well. You have Christian Wilkins, uh, who was fourth uh, down in Miami. You already mentioned that monster front. He's just another part of it. They're only getting better. Um, and uh, we also had Derek Brown uh, to round out the top five with an 84.4 PFF grade and 60 all 22 points. Uh, and then, you know, right here in New York, Quinnen Williams has finished ninth, um, would have finished much, much higher if he hadn't missed two weeks. Um, and he had the fourth highest grade, again, you know, just taking into account the grade and not the points accumulation there, which is good for fourth in the league. So um, a lot of young breakout uh, defensive interior players here. And of course, can't go without um, without mentioning, you know, fan favorite DJ Reader. He missed a lot of the season, but when he was in the game, he made a huge impact. I mean, we have his highlights up. It seemed like every week we were just posting another just monstrous play from him. He had a great showing with an 87.3 PFF grade. So, um, you know, he made his impact in Cincinnati and is still going strong. So a lot of defensive interior players to really pick from. And I feel like a year or two ago, it wasn't looking that way. Um, so I guess, you know, what is, you know, where, where do you guys see the top five shaking out on the defensive interior? No, I don't get a, you know, last week I gave you guys the top fives to do. I wanted to get in this week and, uh, I thought this was a great position to do that. So I, I, uh, I was a little greedy. I took a good one. And, uh, unfortunately DJ reader did not make my top five, but I, I will say that he's a beast and I, I do have him in my top 10 if we were to do a top 10. I'm going to go in reverse order. I'm going to start with my number five pick. And I want to just be really careful because of what I just said to Bobby about edge. I think of the three-year window, right? I had TJ Watt at five when I was talking about this, right? And I, I was okay with your four before that being guys with elite talent. So the reason I had TJ Watt over Jalen Phillips is because I didn't feel he was elite. But at the defensive interior positions, I think that there are a lot of young guys that are elite. So age would make a difference to me. So that's, I just want to preface my rankings with that a little bit. So at number five, I actually have the guy that finished first, which is Chris Jones, right? He's 28 years old. He's going to be 29 next year. He had a 92 season grade and it's his sixth, sixth year above 80, which is fantastic. Um, if you're watching the playoffs, you've been watching a lot of Chris Jones. You're watching him just straight bully people. Uh, and he really was, potentially the difference maker between, between the Chiefs making the Super Bowl and them not making the Super Bowl. Uh, at least that's how it seemed to me. Um, but I have him here at number five just because, again, there are a lot of young guys and elite guys that uh, I think will make the list before him. So moving to number four, I have Derek Brown, uh, still 24 years old, and I feel like we've talked about him for five years because that's how young he was when he came in the league. Um, a lot of the, the, the guys on this list, too, and including Derek Brown, what I'm going to say is it's a, it's a difficult position just to come in the league and be amazing, right? Like there's not many people that do that. There's only one Aaron Donald, right? Everybody else takes a little bit of time. And I think Derek Brown was one of those guys. Uh, he's going to get a new coaching staff. I'm excited to see what they do with him. I'm hoping they don't trade, you know, Brian Burns and other guys that make Derek Brown's job just a little bit easier. Cause I'm, I'm excited to see Derek Brown continue the tear he's been on. And at number three, Sorry, Bobby, I have him at three, but still, that's pretty impressive. Dexter Lawrence, um, after his, he, he's also 25, and with his, uh, his first year above 80, but it was at a 92. He was tied for first in PFF season grade with a 92. He's a guy, again, just a true disruptor. 
He's the leader of that defense. I love what he's doing there in New York. And I think he really is going to be a stalwart on that defense for a long time. But I have Quinnen Williams at number two. And the reason being is because Quinnen also had an elite 90 grade this year, over 90 grade. But it's his second year with a grade above 80. So he's shown in other years that he has that elite talent in him. He has the, the draft pedigree, right? He was supposed to be that talent. I think he's a true disruptor but he's not as true as the guy I have at number one, who is Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons, also a guy that's 25 years old. It's his second season with an above 80 grade. He dealt with some injury stuff. The reason I have him above the rest is because when I watched young Aaron Donald, when I watched young Chris Jones, I saw true disruptors. I don't think there's many of those guys in the league. Guys that on every single play, I'm making them... I'm watching them control the game and make a difference. There was a few games this year that the Titans were televised in New York, and I got to watch Jeffrey Simmons Simmons wreak havoc on offenses. And it was every single play that he was making a difference. And it's something, again, I don't see quite as much in guys like Quinn Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Derek Brown. I think if I was starting a team today, if I had to pick one, it's Jeffrey Simmons. And I will just defend myself by saying Aaron Donald is not in my top five. He is my number six. Um, Ray, you said it, ninth season in a row, over 90. He has some injury stuff going on. He's talked retirement before with the other elite talent in the league now. I can't, I just can't, uh, can't pick him over the other guys. What do you, what do you guys think of my list so far? I was about to go. I'll just say real quick. I, I saw you want to jump in there, Bobby, <laughs> no, but I was good. about go. to say, Chris, where's Jeffrey Simmons? Once you got to like three, I was like, wow, he doesn't have Jeffrey Simmons in there. He had him one. And uh, I think it was mentioned on the, on the PFF NFL pod, I think a couple weeks back, Sam and Steve uh, were talking about the Titans roster and how when you kind of look at it from afar, it's not terribly impressive. And it's kind of one of those deals where it's like, how are they winning this many games? How are they always in the playoff picture, right? And how are they, how are they performing this well? And when you watch them, it's because it's like Jeffrey Simmons is just kind of holding that entire thing together when he's out there on the field and they really miss him when he's not. And uh, I don't know about number one, but, um, but I love him and I was going to have him higher than I thought you were going to have him. So I don't really have an argument. So Bobby, you can have at it. Cause I got a few more things to say, but. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think you knew what I was going to say before I even got a chance to say it. <laughs> I mean, I kind of had a feeling you'd probably put uh, Keenan Williams ahead of Dexter Lawrence. Um, but damn, dude, that hurt. That hurt to hear it. Yeah, I'm um, sorry, I had to do it. But I get it. I think I, I think Dexter Lawrence has been good, like really good, since he's he's come in the league, but not great the way we just saw him. Mm-hmm. But then again, the way we just saw him was like unreal, and we got and, and and I can only I can only attribute that to Wink Martindale and the fact that he might leave, and he's so deep in the process with the Colts. Yeah, that's that's worrisome, and I'd probably put. Williams above Dexter Lawrence too. So I really don't have any, any issues with your list other than Jeffrey Simmons being that high. I'd probably have him after, after Williams and, and Dexter Lawrence, but I get it. I get it. Okay. Ray, you had more to say. So if you're, so if you're in a startup draft, you're in the seventh round, eighth round, mm-hmm. you have Aaron Donald, Christian Wilkins, and Jordan Davis on the board. Are you really taking Aaron Donald over those two names? It's all about how I'm building my team. That's a cop out <sighs> answer. It's it's how I'm building my team. So listen, if I if you asked me if I could only pick one of those guys to be on my team, I'm picking Aaron Donald. But if you were, you know, and, and I think that's he's 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 an animal. Like the dude, the dude will win. Like I heard Sam and Steve say it actually earlier or maybe it was just Sam, but Sam said, he's like, in football, it is not a one-on-one sport, right? So the Rams lose games. Aaron Donald has never lost a game. Aaron Donald wins every single time he's on the field. I want that guy on my football team every single time. But I do have, I do have Christian Wilkinson on my list at seven. I had Jordan Davis at nine. I actually had your boy at uh, eight. Aline McNeil. And the reason I actually didn't have him higher, because I thought about it, 
but there's a chance he's not even the best young defensive interior on that team after this draft. And that, wow. that's hard. But that to, would only make him better. That would only make him better. It's true, but it, I couldn't, I couldn't put him in the top five, especially with the other guys on this list. But yeah, I'm talking about Jalen Carter. We said it about Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, defensive interior. It's a really hard position to be good at as a rookie. I, I don't think he makes the top five next year, but in three years, he absolutely could be the number one guy on this list. Just curious, can I get a price check on Kenny Clark, your favorite player? Kenny Clark's a really solid player. He's a really solid player, but I think he's turning 27 or 28, and he's not he's not, he's not elite anymore. Like, he's me, really good, but he's not give elite. Give me some names in his range. Like, where, like where are you putting them? I'd put him probably like 11, 12, 13. Like he's he's definitely top fifteen for me, but it's hard, right? Like, would you take him or would you take take uh, your boy on the Dolphins, Zach uh, Siler? Yeah, right? like guys like that. It's like that's the range I'd probably put him in, right in with those guys. Okay, that's fair. I was just curious because I know you were so hyped when you you drafted him. So yeah, thanks. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a story for another day, but uh, yeah, I wanted Reggie Raglan. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll end it on that. Well, segueing in the, in the linebackers, which is linebackers next. Linebackers next. Corner is next. Okay. But let me just make a note about Reggie Raglan. I was doing the linebackers section, and he was like, obviously with position minimums taken out, he was like the third-ranked linebacker, just to show how much of a crapshoot it is. Keep going. That is actually insane. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. So maybe I wasn't that wrong. But okay, moving to corner. Uh, and the reason it's third, because they have the 4.5% weight, which is good for third on our defensive players. Uh, similar to defensive interior, it feels like a changing of the guard at the cornerback position, right? We saw Sauce Gardner, who wasn't even thought of as the best cornerback in this last draft, getting picked after race favorite Derek Stingley Jr. But he proved his value with just not with uh, just just not a loud voice, but also with his loud play. Uh, Sauce finished his rookie season as PFF's highest graded and our highest scoring corner with an 88.5 PFF grade and 54.3 all 22 points. Uh, Jalen Ramsey having another great season finished second. So another young guy, Tyson Campbell, uh, took took the next steps in his career, finishing third on the season and uh, helping out that Jags defense make the AFC divisional round, which is really impressive for such a young team. Then surprisingly to some people, right, guy like Legereus Sneed finished fourth on our list with another big year. It's proving to, to be a really uh, elite talent there, even though, you know, he gets beat sometimes, but uh, he's really showing that he's a, he's a solid and consistent guy for them. And then rounding out the top five, it's Kendall Fuller with a 76.6 PFF grade, 50.7, all 22 points. So that was our top five uh, finishers of the year. Guy like Patrick Sertan actually finished second, would have finished third, but he missed the snap count one week, which is, you know, kind of, kind of sucks, but that is what it is. Um, but I think in a lot of people's mind, right, he's probably right behind Sauce as that consensus one and two. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what Ray has to say about that. Uh, and before you jump in, just one other guy to, to mention is Tariq Woolen. He was uh, the fifth-round pick who finished 12th for us this year, which is in- incredible. 71.6 PFF grade, 49.2 all 22 points. Um, just another name on a long list of Seahawks rookies that made a giant impact this year. So, Ray, with that, Go ahead. Tell us what you started to do with your top five. Yeah. So corner for me was essentially a mix of, yeah, kind of like a changing of the guard, but also some old hats still holding firm that are also not as old as you think they might be. Right. So uh, number one, I I think it's Sauce Gardner. Even if you don't, when you take a step back, think he is actually the most talented or best corner in the league. Right. Maybe it's like, well, he. He kind of played to his ceiling and, you know, how corners have been variable. So you're not anticipating him to be the number one corner in 2023. Given his performance, his age, uh, the fact that, you know, that you would think that roster is only going to continue to get better, um, that I just can't put him anywhere outside of number one. Uh, Number two uh, is Patrick Sertan, the second. Um, He had the second highest coverage grade out of any cornerback in 2022. And I just said it, cornerback has a lot of variability uh, from year to year. But when you watch him play, Sertan in particular, you just don't see a lot of variability down to down. I mean, everything is just so patient. He's just so comfortable. His technique is just so on point. He's got the size, the speed. Everything just looks so easy for him and, and so steady. 
So I'm going to be watching him pretty closely this year to see if he is sort of that tendency breaker where you just don't see that fluctuation year to year. Um, so we'll check back in, in 12 months there. Um, you know, the Broncos, they lost uh, Justin Simmons and Kwan Williams, you know, at certain points in time uh, this past year in the secondary. And he just kind of kept humming along. He wasn't really impacted by the surroundings, um, you know, around him in Denver. And you know, a lot of times, you know, that, that roster as a whole was, whether it was on the field or on the sideline, just getting frustrated with that offense, right? And so uh, with a new staff, you know, maybe that roster as a whole gets a shot in the arm. And, uh, you know, we'll see if that only helps him from there. But I, I really love Sertan's game and how comfortable he is. Uh, and speaking of comfort, I have Jair Alexander uh, third, uh, still I think just like 25 and a half years old. Um, he's proven it. He's entering his prime now. Feels like he's been in the league for quite a while, but he's still going strong. So I can't put him any lower than three. And that's mainly due to age, I would, I would guess. Um, and then similarly... Again, talking about some, you know, steady Eddie guys here. I have Marlon Humphrey at four. And it feels like he's been in the, well, he has been in the league for seven years now. Almost he's he's he joined the league in 2017, but he's still just going to be 27 years old when he plays in 2023. So it feels like he's been around for a long time, but that is still peak prime age. And uh he's just consistently in the 70s. His low point was in 2021 with a mid 60s season grade. Otherwise, he's steady Eddie in an organization that is pretty much steady Eddie when it comes to always, um, you know, landing good talent and just always being in the playoff picture and, you know, just not having much drama or anything else surrounding him. Although now lately with Lamar, you know, we see that kind of changing a bit. But just in general, it's a good organization, a good player, goes strong year after year. So I can't put Marlon Humphrey outside of the top four. And then Jalen Ramsey sneaks in at five. I thought about leaving him off completely because he is 28. And with corners, I don't really like once that number hits a three there for your age, I'm, I'm out. It's, it's just so hard to play. And, you know, when, when things go south, they can go south in a hurry, but kind of strategizing a bit here. I like the corners in this upcoming rookie class. If you can stay away from Keely Ringo um, and maybe even the class hereafter. So you asked for some sort of, you know, some, some words earlier about uh, some long-term prospects. I guess there it is for you. So I wouldn't mind taking Jalen Ramsey very early, kind of with an eye on taking some young or rookie corners, uh, maybe in the middle rounds of my draft, if I'm in a startup, knowing that I can ride Jalen Ramsey for the next two years and then he can sort of pass the torch in my cornerback room. So that's my top five. It's a mix of, you know, super young guys with Sauce and Sertan at one and two, Jair Alexander and Marlon Humphrey at three and four, kind of, you know, in those prime peak years. And then Jalen Ramsey sort of enjoying the sunset of his career for the next two years at number five. I'll let you go first, Bobby. The sunset. So, yeah, I guess you're ending on Jalen Ramsey. I just kind of wanted to ask you. So, he put up kind of a cryptic um, social media post the other day where it sounds like he's leaving Los Angeles. It sounds like that was kind of it for him as a Ram. So is there anywhere he could go where he jumps to number four on your list? Is there anywhere he can go where it's like, eh, maybe he's not on my list at all? So I just kind of want to get your your opinion on that, given that, he, given that yeah. he is 28 years old too. It's interesting. So the first team that just popped into my head here, and I, I didn't know you were going to ask this question. So just off the top of my head, and I don't think it would happen, right? But we talked about that front in Miami. And I feel like those corners are kind of aging too, right? Byron Jones is up there in age, uh, Xavier Howard. So, I, I mean, I don't think it would ever happen. But if he were in Miami, that would probably shoot him up the list because I think that's an awesome situation. And he gets to go against uh, Mac Jones twice a year. And we'll see what happens with the Jets and their quarterback situation there. But um, Maybe that would bump him up, but uh, it's one of those deals where maybe that gets him to like number three for 2023, but then back down again when he's 29 years old heading into 2024. So it's kind of a short-lived bump if his situation gets better. Miami's a great answer. I like, now I really want to see that happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah if, they, cool. if they can have the money to do it, that'd be a great spot. Yeah. So I'll jump in next. There's names you left off that I'm curious about, um, and I'm, I just want to know what, what you think of guys like an A.J. Terrell, right, just still 24 years old. Denzel Ward, 20, 25, will be 26 next year. 
And then even like a guy like JC Horn, who's 22 years old, where do those guys fall on your list? So I would have had of those names, JC Horn next. I'm a big fan of his, uh, you know, he had the injury uh, in his rookie season that kind of set him back. And then, you know, to get up to speed in a, in a year where you lose your coach and, you know, there's a bunch of turmoil on the team. He still finished 27th in overall coverage grade, which is not bad at all for, for a young player at his position. He's still 22 years old. So I like Horn a lot. Um, I didn't number, um, you know, anybody outside of my top five, but I think I would have JC Horn and I'll throw one you didn't mention, but Traverius Ward, probably six and seven. And that might be a surprise name. Um, I've always liked Traverius Ward, another big corner that moves really well. Um, you know, many moons ago, the Cowboys traded him in training camp for like a camp body offensive lineman. It was actually like low-key the dumbest move they've done in years, even worse than giving away Amari Cooper for free. Um, but what I like about Traverius Ward is that while, you know, coverage grades as a whole are, are pretty variable year to year for corners, um, he's a big, like I said, he's a big defender and he's a badass run defender. So he's kind of always like that steady tackler and presence, uh, in the run game from your secondary. And while that doesn't, you know, really drive the bus to like give you those high end elite grades, it can provide a nice steady floor for you. So I really like Traverius Ward, um, outside of that top five, but JC Horn was right there. I think if it wasn't for the injury, maybe I just saw a little bit more this past season, he could have cracked the top five and maybe, um, unseated Jalen Ramsey there. Do you want to ask him about Diggs or do you want me to? <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, Diggs, where's Diggs? I like Diggs. He's probably on the lower end of the top 10 uh, for okay. me. It's just, he's, and so here's the thing, here's the thing with Trayvon Diggs, right? He performed better than you think this year while not having the same amount of of those like, game-breaking turnovers or takeaways as you saw the year before in 2021. Mm -hmm. um, you know, his coverage grade was up by like 10 points. And when you watch the Cowboys, he's really not thrown at much. And there were a couple of times late in the year where then he gave up like that one play that really just left a sour taste in your mouth, but overall was much more steady as a player. So I can actually see him, if he continues down that path, actually shooting up pretty highly. Um, you know, if he does get his hands on more passes and becomes, you know, gets more of those uh, takeaways while still being more of a steady player, um, he's kind of a sleeper, right? I think outside of Cowboys world where I see him all the time, people are starting to forget about him a little bit because he didn't have those takeaways that were on SportsCenter every week, if people still watch SportsCenter. Um, but he might be a sleeper with, with some upside there because believe it or not, he's like getting better down to down as a corner. What was his grade this year? I, I, I didn't see it. I think it was like 67.6. So it wasn't like amazing, but like he didn't, he got it. He got that grade without doing well at what he does best, which is generating turnovers. He got that grade and improved upon that 2021 grade by improving at everything else in his game. So if those turnovers come back around and he makes some more of those plays that he has a pension for, that's where I think it could shoot up. Yeah, Ray, you're my, I asked you're that my, you're my favorite Cowboy fan, but something I noticed with all Cowboy fans, you're really good at sugarcoating, like really good. He asked about that, him. I didn't even bring him up. You can't tell me I'm he, – he brought No, I know. Up. It's like – but it's like, oh, he had a 67 grade, but he, he's, he's elite. He's going to be great. He's, he's, he's fine. I didn't say that. I said he, I think he's a sleeper. He's a sleeper. Well, I actually asked that question tongue in cheek because it like just to just to rile rile you up a little bit. But I yeah, actually yeah. agree with what you said, Ray. He was much better than last year. Like after last year, people were talking about him so highly, and he was very low on my list. But this year, I saw a lot of things that I actually liked. Where it wasn't so it wasn't so like really really hot and really really cold. It was more consistent football, and that's what you want to see. Like especially when you have Micah Parsons, you know, rushing the passer every time and getting a million hurries. You want a corner that's going to do the things right because it will put him in a better position. Yeah. So I think one thing to look out for, since we're just going to ignore Bobby's little like snark. No, I don't I think, do think he's bad. <laughs> I don't think he's bad. I, I just love how it's, it's, oh, it's 67, 65 grade, whatever. It's going to be great. He's doing the little things. But um, one thing I think actually to really keep an eye on, actually, though, when it comes to what we just discussed about, hey, maybe he does take that next step if he can now go back to generating those turnovers while still performing as steady as he did this past year. 
mm-hmm. the Cowboys actually shore up that other cornerback spot because it was a revolving door this year. Anthony Brown got hurt. Um, I mean, just those corners in general, whoever was opposite Trayvon Diggs got picked on. And if they get someone there who is a quality cover guy, who's not someone you're just going to target right off the bat that you know you're going to before the ball's even snapped, then you might take some more chances throwing towards Trayvon Diggs' side. And that could lead to those turnovers we saw in 2021. And that could lead to the boost in his grade. You had to get him going, Chris. Yeah, I had to. We'll, <laughs> we'll move on to linebacker. Linebacker, next position, 4.26 weight. Uh, while Michael Parsons might not be a linebacker in the system next year, he was one this year, right? Micah's 91.6 PFF grade was good for first among all linebackers and would have landed him second among edge rushers right behind Miles Garrett this year. Uh, Micah is one of the emerging stars in the, in the league and his best years are definitely ahead of him. Right. So yada, 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 Cowboys, 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 but behind him is uh, veteran linebacker, Bobby Wagner and his first year in LA Wagner showed his value. Even if the team didn't have the success it wanted to right after a Super Bowl win. And then after that, it's TJ Edwards finished third with an 84.4 PFF grade and a 51.9, all 22 points. Just another guy. Uh, stepping up for the Eagles this year and really doing a great job. And then uh, right after that, 26-year-old Fred Warner finished fourth. We'd love to see that rebound year from him. Definitely a guy that everybody's calling, you know, potentially the top linebacker in the league. So that's definitely where you want to see him finish, uh, getting a little bit more consistent there. And then finally at number five, uh, veteran and all-22 friend, we have Demario Davis finishing fifth. Uh, True veteran, don't know how many years, you know, he's going to be uh, still in the league, but like, I hope he goes out on top like this. Love seeing that. And Bobby giving you the hardest position really to rank besides maybe like center. So um, how do you start ranking these linebackers? He's going to grow to love linebackers. It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> did we get a, it always ends up with Bobby and linebackers. Did we get a retweet? Yeah. I think you guys gave me this, gave me this one on purpose, by the way. Oh, but for sure. Did we get a retweet from Demario Davis? Was that what we got? We've gotten multiple. That's why I uh, called him an all-22 friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a friend of the pod. That's really cool. Should've, I should have put him on the list. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, going through this list, I'm like, what's what's the point? <laughs> what is the point of this? Because other than number one, the rest is like, you could just argue with me. Like, it doesn't, it does not matter. And, and you'd be right to argue because- We will. Whole- because <laughs> this will look completely different when we assess it at the end of next season. But number one, I have Fred Warner. Easy pick as the dynasty number one linebacker. Still just 25 years old, and he's a set-and-forget linebacker, which is, like, unheard of at this position. It's so volatile. 80-plus um, season grades in his last three seasons. And as I mentioned, I think that defensive unit for San Fran is going to stay about where it is. It's going to be a solid unit. Um, not to mention he lines up between Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Al-Shahir, the FAU grad. Um, so I think the future is bright for Fred Warner. If you can get your hands on him, do it, because this this position is just a crapshoot. Um, going to number two, I have Nick Bolton at number two. I definitely weigh age in maybe higher than I've heard you guys do it, maybe. Um but he's 22 years old. Great number, by the way. Um, very promising first two seasons. 74.7 grade in 2022. 72.5 grade as a rookie in 2021. So, like, one of the hardest positions to grade well at. He's done it for his first two years and he and starting at age 20, which is unreal. Um, he actually, if you look through his PFF profile... Reminds me a lot of TJ Edwards and the fact that he can do everything well. Um, but unlike TJ Edwards, he's doing everything well at 22 years old. I'm going to keep emphasizing that because I think it's incredible. It's the whole reason I have him here at number two. Um, he's an excellent tackler with just a 6.4% missed tackle rate, which I think is great for him. Um, 83 tackle grade to back that up. 78.4 run defense grade to back that up. Honestly, he's about as good as you can expect for for a young linebacker. So, like him at number two. Again, the way I draft linebackers, I would not take him very high. Um, I just kind of get what's there. 
But yeah, I'd have definitely have him in the second ranked linebacker on my list. Number three, I have Dre Greenlaw. So I mentioned him before, right? Guy that's on the other side of uh, on the other side of Fred Warner. He's also 25 years old. That's a pretty young linebacker core with Aziz Alshir, like I mentioned. Those are all three young guys. I expect them to stick together, and I think they, the three of them only get better moving forward. Another solid tackler with just a 6% missed tackle rate also. I think that's super important for linebacker linebacker grading. Um, and he's getting better in coverage, right? So in 2022, he had an 82.6 coverage grade, which is better than some of the, uh, the, the cornerbacks that we just talked about. Um, and then a 79.6 defensive grade in 2022. I really think San Francisco is going to try and keep this unit together for a while. So definitely like getting a couple, uh, couple players from that unit. Uh, number four, I mentioned him before, TJ Edwards, 26 years old. Um, part of like that insane Philly defense. We talked about it last week or the week before, how good Howie Roseman is at building the team. I think that Philly defense, that Philly unit is always going to be good around him so long as he's there. He does everything very well, but nothing great. So if you look through his numbers, he can cover 77.1 coverage grade, pretty good. It's effective pass rusher, 80.5 pass rush grade, and plays the run well with a 79.2. Does it all very well, nothing elite. And number five, I kind of had some fun with this one because you ever, you ever play all 22 and like, Halfway through the year, you'd have this guy that's just like keeps popping up, keeps popping up with these elite grades here and there, like just comes out of nowhere, right? So for me this year, it was Caden Ellis in New Orleans. Caden Ellis, I think he was listed as an edge, but now he's a linebacker. But 27-year-old seventh-round pick who's finally getting a chance. So 2019 seventh-round pick from Idaho. Not that that, I don't know if that matters. I'll probably cut that. But um, somewhat of a breakout season for him in 2022. Like, really wasn't given a chance his first two seasons. Now all of a sudden he's getting he's getting the, all this playing time, playing linebacker. They put him at middle linebacker, and you notice he has a spike in his grades. 90 grades in two of the three games that he played middle linebacker as opposed to some of the other positions outside linebacker, and a 79 and a half for that third game. So it's not like he was, like, bad for that third game. So I definitely – see him getting more opportunities at the middle linebacker spot as that unit gets a little bit older. We just talked about DeMario Davis getting a little bit older. Um, and he excels as a run defender. He's a gamble, but honestly, like this whole list is a gamble. Even even Fred Warner, everybody's a gamble top to bottom. So Caden Ellis, baby, roll the dice. Do you think Tremaine Edmonds was just a flash in the pan? Yeah, that's why I don't have him on here. What did he have, like three seasons of like 60 grades, 70 grades, and then just this one season where it was a low 80? Like that's... I think, I think try 50s and 40s. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> and he's a free agent this year, right? He's going to be on a new team next year, potentially. Potentially, right. Yeah, so... Tremaine Edmonds come up as like a potential at Bobby, Bobby Okariki, Okarike, however you say his name. Mm -hmm. um, so we had yeah. to talk about him too, Bobby Okarike. I was going to ask you about him because he's he's also a friend of the pod, friend of all 22. Yeah. I mean, 73.3 grade in 2022. Who knows where he ends up? Like, I'm not comfortable with anybody, but, like, certainly not comfortable with a situation like that. And then, Ray, you mentioning Tremaine Edmonds. Like, no, I'm, not, I'm not gambling on that. I, I agree with that. I just wanted to get your take because um, Tremaine Edmonds' grade was, like, really boosted by his coverage grade this year. Uh, he was actually first out of linebackers in the NFL, and I don't think that's very sustainable. Um, so, agreed. Just watch your take there. Can you? So, can you list your top five in order again? Sure. Fred Warner, Nick Bolton, Dre Greenlaw, TJ Edwards, Caden Ellis. Would Roquan Smith have been six or seven? Yeah, probably. But again, like, he's, he's, pretty, he's pretty risky. <laughs> I actually liked uh, Frankie Louvu, like in that range. He's somebody who I considered because, like, he's got elite run defensive grades, and like that's not just like a flash in the pan thing. The reason I didn't is because I wasn't sure things were a little rocky in Carolina. I don't know how that's all going to shake out, so I kind of stayed away for that reason. He was that guy for me in all twenty-two that kept popping up every every few games. He'd have like this elite grade on my bench, and I'd be like, "Wish I started him. Wish I started him." Yeah. 
Frankie Louvu, and then uh, Jawan Bentley was a guy I kept finding myself starting, and he's super young too, a Belichick linebacker. He's not far off mm-hmm. that number five spot. Um, but I really, I really liked your Nick Bolton pick at two. I thought that was that was brave, but it it could pay off. Two guys I want to just quickly ask you about because they're two guys that were on IR for most of this year, and I'm curious if you see them getting close to the top again next year. Jeremiah Obusukoromoa and Darius Leonard. So, so JOK actually played for a while, right? Like he, he had some mm-hmm. some games and and um, he didn't really grade all that well. And things are kind of a mess in Cleveland too, which is sort of another reason why I wanted to stay away. Not that things are any cleaner in in New Orleans. I'll be honest; like Caden Ellis was kind of a, an emotional pick just because I was root for the underdog. But yeah, I think J, I think JOK could end up on this list next year for sure. You guys know how I how I like linebackers the, the the speedy, rangy, athletic type. The guys that like are like converted safeties, pretty much. That's exactly what JOK is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, Darius Leonard, same thing, man. I mean, this isn't the first time he's gotten hurt for an extended period of time, right? And it's, I don't know. I, I feel like it gets riskier and riskier. But I don't know. I think it's it's a mixed bag, no matter how how you put it. Yeah, he's not that young anymore either, which is concerning. But you mentioned safety. Let's jump to safety with 3.78% weight. Uh, by far, guys, the worst we did at any position with our preseason rankings was safety. This position was decimated with injuries. Uh, Derwin James, Amani Hooker, Antonio Winfield Jr., Marcus Williams, and Minka Fitzpatrick all missed time but played well when they were on the field. Javon Holland and Jesse Bates, right? So that's seven guys on our list that were not part of the top 10 finishers. Uh, Sorry, Jesse Bates and Javon Holland, huge disappointments. Holland had almost 20 points dropped from his grade. He fell all the way to 65.5. After preseason, we were like, there was a rookie safety that broke out. Like he, he, like I wanted to trade. I remember your cousin, Bobby, had Javon Holland, and that was like a missing piece for me. And I was almost offering him a first-round pick for Javon Holland. And I'm not saying there's not a future there, but I'm but I am happy I didn't. Only one player in our top ten was healthy enough and good enough to finish the year as an actual top ten finisher, and that was Ke- Kevin Byard, who finished second with 43 all 22 points. And and honestly, it was still underwhelming. He had a 78.7 PFF grade. That's that's the, our second safety had a 78.7 PFF grade, right? So that should really tell you the state of the safety position. Our number one finisher was just a veteran guy, Tyron uh, Tyron Matthew, who finished with an 81.2. So just for context, that 81.2 is the lowest PFF grade by any positional leader by seven points. And the next lowest was corner with an 88.5, Sauce Gardner. Um, Another interesting observation, seven of our top 10 finishers were 29 years or older, which is easily the oldest group of any of our top finishers. Okay. So pretty bizarre kind of position group here. Uh, one, one bright spot was safety, uh, Talanoa Hufanga for the 49ers who finished ninth on our list with 40.9, all 22 points. And then just one other guy I want to mention rookie Kyle Hamilton. He didn't make our top 10, but he was top 10 in PFF grading with an 82.3 which was part of the top 10 rookie finishes. So Ray, similar to linebacker, this is a really brutal group of players. Uh, the safety position, how do, you, how do you have your rankings here? So you know how like when, when a team does really well and they like blow out their opponent, coaches secretly kind of like it when there's like a couple screw-ups there at the end or maybe like a late touchdown or something. So they have something to like really... Uh, sort of harp to the team about as far as like staying focused and getting better. But then if you go like too far on the other end of that spectrum, like if you just perform so bad, like everyone has those games where it's just so bad that you just burn the tape and you don't even watch it after it's Mm -hmm. over, right? And you just kind of move on to the next. That's kind of how safety is for me and how I'm looking at it at the top of the list overall. Um, And it was so bad that I I am pretty firm in my belief that he's not going to finish number one or maybe top three in 2023, but I can't put Kyle Hamilton below number one. He had high marks across the board. He was top six in coverage, pass rush, and run defense performance um, out of all safeties in 2023 or 2022, sorry. 
and he's young and part of a good defensive unit. So like how I have nothing to firmly ding him on and move him down the list. So Kyle Hamilton is going to be number one for me. Um, Derwin James is going to be number two for me because he's still going to be just 27 years old and his play goes without saying, it's just a matter of, can he stay healthy? And it's really all about health. And when he's healthy, he's a top performer. So fingers crossed, he stays healthy. I think we can mention him by name on the podcast while BFF pod cannot. So um, he's going to be number two for me. And uh, number three, again, it's, it's a familiar name, but Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, I think he was pretty underappreciated actually heading into last year because he had a down 2021 season, but he was still a third overall safety uh, grade wise in 2022. He'll be 27. So again, right in the prime years, he's got all the tools. Uh, Just don't overthink it, especially when there's not a lot of great options around. You don't want to overthink a good player in a, at the very least decent situation. So uh, I have Minka third and then Javon Holland fourth. Was it a product of just variability in the secondary? Could be. Um, but we talked about Bradley Chubb and how he kind of makes everybody around him better with, I forget what the stat was as far as like sacks created for other players around him and turnovers and things like that due to his pressure. So um, I think if he's fully integrated there, everyone in Miami could benefit, including Javon Holland. Maybe he gets back closer to that 2021 form. Um so I guess I have him at fourth. And then because nobody earned it, I'm going to put Jaquan Brisker at number five. So it might be a surprise to some, but he's got all the tools. Like he's super dependable. He does everything well. Like that was the scouting report coming into the league was that he just does everything well. And he's a really good athlete. And so in his rookie year, he had the 10th most stops of any safety in the league. And if you look at his splits, he lined up in the box 371 times. He lined up 289 snaps at free safety, 100 snaps in the slot, and 43 snaps at corner. So he lined up all over the field and was around the ball. That tells me that the Bears trust him. So, Ray, what, can you remind me just real quick on Jaquan Brisker? What school did he go to again? Oh, Jaquan Brisker went to Penn State, the, the Rose Bowl winning Penn State Nittany Lions. Yeah. Did you see me, Bobby, taking a shot before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to put, like, the logo over his face on that whole segment. Yeah. Find the lie. Logo. Find the lie. Yeah. So can you, can you do you mind just recapping your list one to five? Sure. So um, I'll start from the top, right? So Kyle Hamilton, number one, Derwin James at two, Minka Fitzpatrick at three, Javon Holland at four, and then Jaquan Brisker at five. Yeah, I mean – I don't know if I really disagree with any. It's funny you have Kyle Hamilton at number one. I'm like, I would have put him there too. Like after this year, I would have put him there too. But I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. Going into the draft last year, I kind of bought into some of that, like him being a little overhyped, like all that kind of propaganda that we were fed. I'm thinking, okay, he's not that fast. He's not that fluid with his hips. Like maybe he's not legit. And then the Ravens took him. And there's certain teams in the league who, when they draft, you know that they're drafting some good players. They're very res- respectable draft history. And the Ravens are one of those teams. And it's like, okay, they know what they're doing. And clearly they do because almost a 90 defense grade for a rookie safety, that's just insane. So no problems with your list. No problem with him being there. Um, really expected Jesse Bates to bounce back and put himself in that list again, understanding some new pieces in that secondary, and kind of like what you said about Javon Holland maybe being a victim of his surroundings. I kind of think the same thing for Jesse Bates. I could see him on this list next year, but understand why he's not there this year, and I probably wouldn't put him this year either. And I'll I'll second that. I think this is a really hard position, and I don't I don't have strong opinions about – Anything you said, I think I think it's all pretty accurate. One player that was not on your list that I want to ask you about, uh, Hufanga. Where does he? Where do you see him kind of going? In like, is he is he ten? Is he fifteen? Is he is he six? I don't know. 
I wouldn't say he's at six. I don't think anyone's really like impressed me enough to earn number six, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I think I just need to see it maybe just a little more, right? I think he started off really hot and he still finished respectable, right? But he had the 22nd overall grade uh, for safeties, um, you know, 16th in coverage, 46th in run defense, which is kind of like right smack in the middle there. Um, so he definitely improved upon his 2021 uh, season by a pretty good amount. I think I would just need to see it again before I really ration him up the list. And I mean, he's surrounded by a ton of talent. So was he a product of his surroundings there in San Francisco or is, or is it him? Um, I think at least just evaluating his 2023 season, seeing what he does there, does he continue to improve or not will make me feel comfortable putting him pretty high up there, but I can't, I'm, I'm not comfortable just yet. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I could totally see him being the guy that like everybody drafts really early next year, even though I don't think we've seen quite enough. Not that he's not good. Not that he won't be good. I just don't think we've seen enough to warrant that. But uh, you said nobody's earned number six. Winfield Jr. on Tampa Bay has been my guy for like since he was a rookie because of that, right? Like it's hard to be a successful rookie at the safety position. And he was that. And then he went and his sophomore year, he had an 86.1 PFF grade. This year, he dealt with some injuries, but he still had almost an 80 PFF grade, just a few points under. So, like, it's a hard position. I'm not giving you any crap, but I would say that a guy like that is the perfect person to target if you're unsure of who to take at safety and you need one. That's a guy that's going to consistently get you good grades in Tampa. I think so. But uh, Tampa Bay is, like, about to just be blown up, right? So, yeah. Who knows what that looks like? And like Vita Vea kind of he had a real down year this year. And it's like, mm -hmm. do the surroundings start to fall apart? Right. I mean, even in front of him in the second level of the defense, right? Like those linebackers are getting pretty old. And I, I don't know. Uh, I like Winfield a lot. I, I would I would agree with you that since we're talking outside of the top five and there's really no one that that really jumps out that you have to have, I think he's definitely worth it. But I do think there's some downside there. But but to your point. I don't think it's any more or less downside than anyone else you would take in that sort of range there if you're not picking a premier safety. Okay. Any, any other safety questions, Bobby? Good. Now, should we get into punter? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you threw me because I didn't have notes on punter. The Penn State punters. <laughs> just take the Penn State punters. Okay. Um, Cool. So, I mean, we talked about from a development standpoint, right? We're, we're coming out with this mock draft tool. should be out pretty soon. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and if you want to have a leg up on the competition, I definitely recommend you get in there and take a few swings before your real draft. Uh, anything else we want to mention before we uh, close out? I think we should tweet out a picture of the results page on the mock draft. Or... Just to tease people a little bit. Just tease a little bit. I mean, they're going to be bored watching whatever the heck the Pro Bowl is going to put on this weekend, right? So, yeah, might as well. All right. All right. So, coming soon to you, to to a Twitter near you is going to be a... Uh... I think Ray just gave a date. I think coming Sunday. <laughs> coming Sunday. <laughs> All right. So, that's a cool update. We'll we'll, we'll share that uh, little social graphic there. Like it. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all22 underscore PFF and leave a review wherever you watch your podcast or listen in. Um, and that's it. Everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy, enjoy this uh, weird Pro Bowl weekend that we have and then uh, get ready for the big game. See you soon. <laughs>